Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will finish his message on darkness and light from Revelation chapter 2. Now here's a few highlights from our study this week. Step one is to listen. Look and listen. Ask questions that will draw out. Step two, the art of hovering is to let the need penetrate. Let the need penetrate. You're not just Walter Cronkite out there trying to interview and get a lot of information out, but let the need penetrate. Penetrate. That's the second step of hovering. Now here's Tom Cantor with today's study. He made every lost sinner. Lost sinners didn't evolve. And lost sinners didn't sprout. They were made by the fingers of God. Every single lost sinner was made by the fingers of God. And he cares for everything he's made. He cares for his lost sinners, part of his creation. He cares. And he sees the darkness just like you saw the darkness on the earth. He sees the darkness in the heart of every lost sinner he made and cares for. And he hovers over every lost sinner in their darkness. And he knows that every lost sinner needs light. See the parallel with uh, Genesis 1? All of that. He made the earth. He cares for the earth. He saw the darkness. He hovered over the earth. He knows the earth needed light. That's where it all stands. But here's the difference. The difference is this. Lost sinners are not earth. The earth has no will. The earth has no choice. So he just commanded the light to shine on the earth. But to every person lost sinner, everyone, God has given the power to choose, and he honors it. He honors the dignity of it all. He waits patiently for the man's decision. Look at Deuteronomy 30, Deuteronomy 30, verse 10. If thou, the individual, if thou shalt hearken, hearken, now, we don't say that word too often today, hearken. <laughs> Cheryl, hearken to me. <laughs> no, that's not, that's not going to work. All right. <laughs> but nevertheless, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice, very personal, of the Lord your God, thy God, to keep his commandments and his statutes which are written in this book of the law, and if thou turn unto the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, with all thine heart, with all thy soul. So there you go. Hearken. That's the same word in Deuteronomy 6.4. That's the Shema word. Shema. Very important word, Shema. It's the root word in Hebrew. It means to listen or hear. But it means more than just to listen. It doesn't mean to get all the information, take, make sure you take down all the notes of it all. It means, it's actually, trans, the King James translators have translated that word over a, a, about a hundred times, obey. Obey. It doesn't just mean listen and understand. It means obey. In other words, that, and that's what hearken means. Hearken, I guess, it, but we have to ask Webster. But anyway, hearken is more than hear, is it? I don't know. Anyway, it, it, but that's what it means by the Hebrew. It means listen and obey. Listen and obey. And then he says, if you turn, if you turn, 
turn. That's the word shub. Shub means to turn or to turn, return or repent. Repent. Repentance. Why, why, does, why, why does it mean that? It means, what does this mean to repent? You know, repent. Unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Repent. What does it mean to repent? It means to go back. It means to go back. For some, it might mean, you know, when I was a kid, a little kid, and I was in Sunday school, I heard the gospel. I followed the Lord Jesus Christ. But I went to college, and I believed the professors and my classmates. They mocked the Bible. And, and so I left God. Repentance for that person is go back to where they were as a Sunday school, in Sunday school, learning about the Lord Jesus Christ. They followed the Lord. For others, they resisted sin for so long, but then they just gave in. And sin rushing in took control of their mind and their thoughts and their passions and their desires. And that just drove them to a decision. What decision? Well, God, with all of his moral standards, ruling over my life? No, I don't think so. Bye-bye, God. That was that decision. For that person, repentance is to go back and bow before the Lord Jesus Christ and say, you're king, you're God. And asked for mercy and forgiveness. There was a group of British soldiers had come to Cardiff, Wales in June of 1944 to get ready to deploy for D-Day. And uh, Stephen Olford was a pastor at that time, and he was so burdened for those soldiers that he decided to turn the living room of his house into a coffee, coffee house and a place where the soldiers could come before they would, would uh, many of them, walk to their deaths. And, but they could, at this place, hear the gospel. And so one night, as Stephen Olford was preaching, and he was talking about repentance, repentance, and one of the soldiers raised his hands. He says, sir, I don't get what you mean by repentance. That's what he said. I don't get what you mean by repentance. And so as Stephen Olford was sitting there thinking about how he was going to respond to it, another soldier raises his hand and says, sir, I can answer that question. So that soldier, and keep in mind these are all soldiers, that soldier, he goes up to the front of the room and he says, repentance is like this. You're marching along, soldier. You're marching along. All of a sudden you hear the command, halt! About face, march. And he sat down, he says, that's what repentance means, sir. <laughs> May not be the most theologically great act. That's true. He got it. That's it. That's what repentance means. That's what shub means. That's what it means here in Deuteronomy, the verse that we're being saying here. A halt, about face, march. That's repentance. Now, why didn't God... I had a friend of mine one time, he just, he asked these kind of questions. And I always, I don't, I don't resent the question. I, I think about them. I, I let them penetrate me. But anyway, he, he asked these kind of questions. Why is there darkness? I mean, oh, there was darkness. We're scared of it, you know. Why, why does it say in, in Isaiah 45, 7, I create darkness? Why did he create darkness? Why does he allow darkness? Such a bad thing, you know. Is, is darkness a good thing? Well, 1 John 1, 5 says, how much darkness is there in God? None, because God is light, and in him is, there's zero darkness. There's just no darkness at all, is the way it says. No darkness at all. Darkness is a bad thing. No one should be a friend of darkness. Not even Simon and Garfunkel, you know, hello darkness, my old friend, come to speak with you again. Darkness is a bad thing. 
You should, darkness is no good. So why did God create darkness? Why is there darkness? Turn to Revelation 16.10. Talks about the, the, uh, the kingdom of, uh, see what it says? Revelation 16.10. The fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast and his kingdom was full of darkness. His malkut, his kingdom, is full of darkness. And they gnawed their, their tongues for pain. That's bad. That's really, really bad. It's that penetrating darkness that we read about in Exodus, a darkness, the ninth plague, that could be felt. And in hell, people are in so much pain, so much pain and torment that they chew their tongues. Can you imagine that? And they haven't been given a shot of Novocaine for their tooth repair, and they accidentally chew their tongue. They are consciously chewing their tongues. Why? Maybe the pain of this tongue will distract me from the other pain. And that's where they are. But it's a called, a, it's a, called a, a kingdom of darkness, full of darkness, darkness, bad darkness. Two reasons why God created darkness and did not eliminate. First of all, for the lost. Now, you, I don't know if you kept your place. I should have asked you to in um, Deuteronomy 30. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. <clears throat> we looked at the, the uh, <clears throat> other verse in Deuteronomy, but now we drop down a little bit. And here in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, God says, I call heaven and earth to record, to, record, to record this day against you. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine how many times does the fire alarm go off in the universe where God says, heaven and earth and all the universe now have got to come and write this down. That's what he says. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. Well, that's not so good. That I have set before you Life and death. Life and death. Life and death. Blessing and cursing. God, to make things clear, he's very much into contrasts. God says, you want to know what it means to receive me? As many, he came unto his own and his own received him not. Oh, the contrast of it all. You want to know what light is? Look at darkness. You want to know what you want to know what you want to know what 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 uh, what life is? I give you morgues and cemeteries. Life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, he says, he says that. Therefore, choose life. Choose life. You know what God's doing here? God's like an exercise machine. He says, get on this exercise. He likes exercise machines. He says, get on this life, this exercise machine, and strengthen your choice muscles. I want you to have strong choice muscles. So I'm going to set before you life and death and blessing and cursing. I'm going to set all this before you so you can be strong in your choices. Strong. Why? That both thou and thy seed may live. Joshua 24, he said, thing, he said the same thing. If that seem evil to you to serve the Lord, well, then you go ahead and choose. Put that on. Choose you this day whom you will serve. He says, whether the gods which, are, which, your, which your fathers served on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We'll choose to serve the Lord. We're going to go this way. I so much appreciate it. Bob, I'm glad you're in the class today. And because I remember you telling the story um, about how your, your, your adopted kids said, you know, it was better where we came from. And you took them back to that place. Am I getting it right? You took them back. You said, well, have a look. 
That's why God keeps darkness. So that we can go and have a look and realize all those dark passions inside of us, which you didn't destroy, that keeps us right on back to there. He says, so once again, choose life. And then again, choose life. And again, choose life with a full view of where you could have been. It says that. Now, so let's, let's, let's just let it all crystallize in our minds and, and, uh, and think about it and how God wants us to be and, and those who choose him, how God says, wants us to be and those who are uh, not only ourselves choose him, but help others, the lost, to choose him as well. Let's pray. Father, help us today. Help us with a new love and passion for the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to to constantly be going back to that place of choice where, filled with our sin, we chose the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to do it again as we renew ourselves to you. We choose to love you. We choose to serve you. We choose to honor you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Tom, the concept of repentance is often associated with tears and falling down and crying out. But you didn't describe that with the Hebrew concept of repentance in that way. Right. And it's very important to understand what the word is meaning to say in Hebrew when you're talking about repentance, because repentance is really to go back, to do it different, to change the direction that you were heading in. And so it's described for us very nicely in Hosea chapter 7, verse 10, where it speaks about the reason why Israel doesn't go back, and it talks about what they don't do when they should be repenting. And it says it like this, and the pride of Israel testifieth to his face. That's the reason why they don't repent. You know, if there's one disease that you can say, everybody in hell today has one disease, it's P-R-I-D-E, pride. And this is what he means when he says, the pride of Israel testifieth to his face. And here's the effect of pride. And they do not return to the Lord their God, nor seek him for all this. In other words, what's happening here is God is saying they need to repent. They need to, they walked away from God. So that means they're, they're facing away from God. They need to make an about face and point toward God and return to the Lord. That's repentance right there. And to seek him. In other words, they stop seeking him. And so now they need to turn around and seek him. You know, you think, what's the epitome of that all? It's like this. Who is the one that they walked away from? Jesus of Nazareth, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is the one that's the farthest concept for them seeking with all their heart? The Lord Jesus Christ. What is repentance? About face and to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. About face and to pray to the Lord Jesus Christ, to seek him. That's repentance. See, this is what Isaiah meant when he said in Isaiah 55, 7, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. You see, what he's saying here is that the wicked 
has a way in which he thinks and way in which he goes. The unrighteous have thoughts that are dishonoring to God. So God says, let him forsake that way. Let him forsake those thoughts and let him return to God. And then he says, you don't have to worry from God's side because here's a promise. He will have mercy upon him and to our God, he will abundantly pardon because that's who God is. So God is holding out this, he's, he's inviting man, turn back, turn back. I'm not gonna slap you down. I'm not gonna say, well, now I gotta hold you. Wait till I'm finished with you. That's not God. God loves to show mercy. He loves to show pardon. So therefore, he encourages them, return, turn back, go back to him. And what role does a believer play in helping a lost person through this repentance process? Yeah, and I'm so glad that you used that word process because it really is a process. And it's not an easy process. It's a difficult process. And God understands that. And he calls on believers, help the lost person. You went through it yourself. You know it's not easy. So help them. Help them in the process. But a believer might say today, well, what do you mean help? How can I help? Well, it's given to us in Acts 26, 18, when the apostle Paul was speaking to King Agrippa and he was telling him, King, this is my life purpose. This is what I do in life. This is my job. And he said it so beautifully like this. He said it so wonderfully that we just take his words that Paul said and we say, Paul, that's, that's gonna be my life purpose. That's gonna be what I do. And he says, he said, to, uh, he said to him, King Agrippa, he said, my life and my job is to open their eyes. My life and my job, he said, is to turn them from darkness to light. My life and my job is to turn them from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Inheritance is a wonderful thing. Every Jewish person knows that. It's a great thing. You know what the the worst thing about the inheritance is and any inheritance? You die and you lose it because you don't carry it away with you. But Paul says, I've got a pure inheritance. And you know what? You'll take that inheritance beyond, beyond the grave. You'll take it with you. And he says, I want you to get that. I want you to get the inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I'm gonna help you Count on me to help you to open your eyes. I realize that it's going to take scripture after scripture. It's going to be, I'm going to have to be patient, but I'm going to work with you, and I'm going to show you, and I'm going to bring you from kindergarten and even preschool up because we're going to go through a walk together in which your eyes are going to be open. And you know what's going to happen? He says, I'm going to turn you from darkness to light. I'm going I'm to see you be delivered from the power of Satan to God. In other words, from the power of Satan to the power of God. And you can count on me as your friend, Paul would say to the lost, because I'm going to stick with you all the way through this process. As long as it takes, as hard as it is, and discouraging as it might be, I'm going to be there for you. That's a friend. That's also a friend, and a believer who helps a lost person through this repentance process is a friend, and Paul has told us how to be that friend. And for some of our listeners, um, repentance sounds like Mission Impossible, almost like they have to be perfect or some type of Mother Teresa. 
Now, what is actually the first step in repentance? And God is so clear, and God doesn't want it to be mission impossible. God doesn't want it to be something where they look and they say, ah, forget about it, I'm going to give up before I start. So he's very, very tender, and God is very, very gentle, and God explains very, very carefully, and he starts in Hosea 5.4, and he says about Israel, they won't take the first step. What's the first step? They will not frame their doings to turn unto the Lord, to turn unto their God, for the spirit of whoredoms is in the midst of them, and they have not known the Lord. You know, he uses this word frame. It's a wonderful term, frame. It's like you take a picture of your life, and you know what a frame does? A frame describes what the picture is. That's really what the frame does. And so he's saying, look, take a picture of your life, and put a frame around it that says sinner and come to me and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. See my life, I'm sinful. He says, he says, take the frame and put the frame around your life and said, without God, and, and come to God and say, Lord, I'm without you. I don't wanna be, but that's the way I am. You take your picture of your life and you put, and you put a frame around it and the frame says alien from God. And you come to God and you say, Lord, I'm an alien from you. I don't want to be an alien anymore. He said, if he says, frame their doings to turn unto their God. In other words, feel the alienationship of it all. Feel the sinfulness of it all. Feel the godlessness of it all. And frame your doings, frame your life, and come to God and say, oh, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I'm godless. I'm an alien from God. Will you please do that for me, Lord? And then you know what? God says, if you come that way, I will, I will, do, I, I will forgive you. I will, I will make you a child of God instead of an alien from God. I'll make you a godly person instead of a godless person. I'll make you a, a saint instead of a sinful person. And they don't do it in Hosea 5.4. And the reason is, God said it, they haven't known the Lord. They don't know God because they don't know that he's so abundantly wanting to pardon them and have mercy on them. And when you know that, you turn and you say, I'm coming to God with my problems because God's my solution. What specifically is it with repentance that makes a person become what they weren't which is a forgiven child of God. Yeah. So, you know, that's a really good question because the point about that is that we're talking about repentance and we're describing it in such ways that we're saying that, oh, if you repent, this is going to happen. And, you, and, and it's very easy when we're talking that way to think to yourself, well, repentance, some kind of a magic formula or something or some kind of something, boom, it happens because I repent. But the, you know what? It's very important to understand why repentance can make a person a forgiven child of God. And it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, for God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So what this verse is really saying and what it's explaining to us is that it's all about God. It's God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. When we go back to Genesis and there was great darkness over the face of the earth, it says that God 
saw the darkness and then he spoke, let there be light. And that's why there was light. So coming, so, so, so the darkness on the earth didn't automatically result in light. It was God who played the role of saying, let there be light. In the same way, when a person comes to God and said, oh God, I'm full of darkness. Oh God, I'm full of sin. Oh God, I'm bad. Then you know what? And I, and I don't want to be that way anymore. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm turning. I'm turning as best I can toward you. God sees that. And he points down at that sinner on the earth. And he says, I command light to shine out of that darkness. And all of a sudden, because the person has come to God in repentance, which is God's way, all of a sudden the person says, you know what? I understand. I can see, I can see that God is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, and I see it in the face of Jesus Christ. I never saw that before. Why did you never see it before? Because you never repented. And when you repent, God says, I command light to shine out of the darkness. That's what God loves to do. That's why we love God. That's why we turn to him with all our heart. That's why we say, Lord Jesus, you're for me. I want to be for you. Thank you for joining us today. Tomorrow, Tom will continue with a new study from the Bible. If you'd like to learn more about Tom Cantor or Israel Restoration Ministries, visit friendshipwithgod.org. You can also call us directly at one 800 247-3051. Today's message is also available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find us on Facebook or email Tom Cantor directly at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Thanks for listening and join us again tomorrow at the same time.